and we are recording. Welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead Podcast. I'm Tony V, your host, here with my boy Landon Archangelo. We got a really good one for you guys today. We wanted to expedite it. We're usually doing every two weeks, and we couldn't wait to release this one with uh, an amazing entrepreneur, Tyler Watson. Uh, before that, Landon, how are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah. Mid- middle of the week. I got a I got a train rolling by my house. I hear it. I don't it. know if, any, if anyone can hear that. Uh, I mean, before we hopped on, you were talking about how you know you're feeling like a pinball a little bit. I want to I want to shed some light on that. What do you mean by that? One task to another today. It's like uh, the last three days. It's been like up early, sun up to sundown, just getting after it. Um, one task to the next, though. It's just been just one of those weeks. One of those weeks. Not not a bad not a bad thing though. Yeah. No. I mean, dude, productivity is productivity nonetheless. That's what lately I've been feeling like. That is everything that I'm doing. I have these habits, and I'm very um, forward moving. So I'm nonstop know that for, for a fact that I'm going to be in a better place because I do these habits. But at the same time, I still feel like a hamster on a wheel because I'm just monotonously doing the same thing. And I understand that you have to get obsessed with what is boring to get to where you want to be, but it's definitely a challenge at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. And and when I say pinball, I mean like, you know, getting to one thing, doing it, getting to the next thing, doing it, finding the next thing, doing it. And it just feels like there's sometimes, you know, at least the last couple of days for me, it's just been a never ending list of things to accomplish, which is, uh, you know, it's a rewarding, rewarding feeling when you get to the end of the mm-hmm. day. Where I've struggled was, you know, having this entire list of things, but m- trying to multitask and it just never works out properly. You always get stuck doing half ass work for each thing. And yeah, it's better to allot your time. Sometimes I even take my phone out of the room and say, okay, this is what's going on. And I don't care unless my family is hurt and the health of my family is at risk. I am not doing anything besides this task. And sometimes you got to think about it to that extreme. That's been, yeah, dude, that's been my biggest problem. It just in general, professionally up to this point is, you know, I'm better at it now. So continue to get better at it. But the biggest issue that I've faced up to this point is exactly that starting my day, looking at my calendar and there's seeing a bunch of empty blocks with nothing to do. And then just in those time periods during the day, just aimlessly moving around from one thing to the next. And, and you realize you get through the, the, to the end of the day and you're like, what did I accomplish today? And you're like, well, I did a little bit of this. And then when this got hard, I put that off and then I started doing this. And then when this got a little tough, I put that off or deferred that to someone else and moved over to this. And you realize you accomplished nothing. You know what yeah, I mean? No, I, so, I so it's actually to go in, to go into to what we're probably going to talk more about tonight after the, we're done recording this with the book group, the Dave Goggins, book uh remind me the title uh can't hurt me can't hurt me right talks about backstops in your calendar i started implementing that into my world it's helped me a lot just basically you know no matter no matter what time of the day it is you have it something that you could be doing as a backstop backup in case something cancels or you don't have a meeting or you don't have something going on um something productive going on and that's helped me a lot and i've seen some good results come from it and i've seen more things become accomplished and so when i say pinball as opposed to where it was before when I was a pinball, I was, I was doing a lot of things, a little bit of a lot of things and not getting any of them done. And I'm starting to slowly see I'm, I'm accomplishing one thing and moving to the next task. Cause I'm blocking out my day a little bit more, becoming more of a slave to my calendar, so to speak. You know? Boom. And you know, remind me to next time we do this podcast intro, cause I want to be um, very conscious of everyone's time because this is an amazing, amazing, amazing interview not to, overshadow any of the other interviews, but we expedited this one because this is something we all need right now. Remind me to talk about this process I'm building called Build, and I'll dive into that next uh, next podcast. But I want to introduce our 
our interview this time, Mr. Tyler Watson. He is an abundance hacker. When I first got the email about Tyler, I saw abundance hacker. I'm like, what the hell is this? It sounded so cool. So I did some more research. And I mean, Tyler's, Tyler is the real deal, man. You know, we talk about how to get unstuck. So all the things that we were just talking about, how to actually take a plan of action to, um, you know, change that. He works with mostly spiritually driven entrepreneurs. He has this process called following the thread, which is unreal. So make sure you're taking notes because this is real time action things that you need to implement in your life. Talks about signs of going through depression, how we can figure out if somebody is going through depression, how to empathetically help them, um, you know, going through addictions and, you know, how to make a change and most importantly, how to make it last. Uh, what are your thoughts about this, uh, this podcast? After we got done this interview, guys, we literally, Tony and I were both sitting there like, we have to put this out as soon as possible just because, um, you know, the last one we put out, we knew it was just going to be me and him talking and uh, we've gotten good feedback from that. But point being, this interview was, was by far a top three interview for us. Um, hits home and it hits home. When I say it hits home, I mean, it hits home to people our age in our world, right? I think I think now on social media in this day and age, there's a lot of mental health issues out there. A lot of people constantly comparing themselves, constantly you know, going through these times of, of, am I adding up? Am I good enough? Am I, what should I be doing and what should I be focusing on to move my world forward? And I think this is a really good interview for, you know, anybody that's, that's, that's second guessing themselves in life or second guessing, maybe even just other people in their relationships in general. So, um, I, yeah, I really have nothing else to add. I just think the best thing we could do is let them get into it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone enjoy Tyler Watson and we love you. Right, we got here Tyler Watson, an abundance hacker, founder of Abundance Masters, author of The Enrollment Effect. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? I am doing super good, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, and uh, Tyler just had a baby, baby girl. Congratulations <laughs> yep. for that. Yeah. And uh, just tell us real quick. I- I'm I'm really excited because I saw Todd uh, Todd Armstrong, who brings us a lot of guests. He emailed me and was showing your bio a little bit, and I saw Abundance Hacker. Really interesting. Could you tell us a little bit more about what an Abundance Hacker is, where you came from, and where uh, where this whole ideology came from? Yeah, for sure. So it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, my my background, my dad's what's called a clinical kinesiologist, and my stepmom's a naturopath. So I grew up in the natural healthcare world. That's been my my game, and I, I love it. Yet. Growing up, I could I knew that in the health world, people could change and have miracles happen all the time. Like I, I saw it in my dad's clinics and everything, and I was like, you know, in my mind there wasn't anything that couldn't be changed, no matter how crazy it seemed. Mm-hmm. But I I went through a little phase uh, around the age of twelve. My my parents ended up going through a divorce, and right around that time. I being the oldest son, I I took on a lot of the weight behind it and never told anyone because I was never taught really how to communicate. So when my parents were like, hey, how's it going? I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. But really, I felt like crap and I felt like it was all my fault and I felt like I had to be the perfect kid. So I went out and got straight A's, MVP, class president, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I remember sitting on my bed thinking about multiple ways that if I killed myself, would anyone even care? 
And I thought that was normal. And I didn't tell anybody because I thought I just had to go through it. And that was what was supposed to be. So I went through that phase of depression, went through pornography addictions, went through video game addictions, a lot of suicidal thoughts and tendencies. But on the outside, I was the perfect kid. And I I just pretended that everything was okay. I watched my mom go through like three or four more divorces. My dad through another. And it just kept repeating that same cycle. And I ended up getting cleaned up a little bit, left uh, to uh, Mexico when I was 18 for two years on a church mission. And I thought, yes, like this has completely changed my life. I'm cleaned up. I feel great. Came back and fell back into the same patterns. And it was as if everything I did up to that point didn't really matter because I felt like I couldn't really change. And even though I saw health, you know, people in their health, but in a mental emotional, financial relationship, I felt completely stuck and super afraid to just repeat the patterns of the past. So with all that, I I didn't want to stay stuck. I didn't want to have to go through the battle. And I didn't feel like I was just put on this planet to just suck. (laughs) So I started reading some books, started to get into personal development, ended up actually meeting my wife who taught leadership to youth. And I started to realize that I didn't have to be stuck, that there were ways that I could change. So I started to do all these crazy things and bought a lot of programs with money that I didn't have. And I just was really committed to figure the game out of how do I make a change and have that change last and be permanent so it doesn't have to to go through these patterns and cycles of addictive behaviors. So with that, I started off as a massage therapist. I struggled my first year. I made like 12500 bucks my first year as an entrepreneur. And as I was on that journey of transformation, I started to do a lot of like repetition, passion, all these tools and techniques of getting to the root causes and tapping and tons of stuff that seemed to work. And I started to apply it. And the next year, I ended up doing over $100,000 in income, bought my wife a grand piano. It was her dream and wrote a book. I started teaching for Les, uh, did, did joint venture with Ted McGrath and Les Brown, spoke here and in Canada, did some really cool stuff. And I started to realize like people don't have to stay stuck. Yet still part of me felt like the journey of getting unstuck took so freaking long. Like I had to do, looking back, it was tens of thousands of hours of work on myself. And I thought, there's got to be a simpler way. (laughs) There's got to be a faster, more effective way, which led me to develop the technique that I now call the abundance alignment technique. And I can tell more about that here. But basically what it is, it's a process that people can use to get shifts, whether mentally, emotionally, or financially, and change things that they thought could never be changed in literally hours instead of years. And so that's what my mojo is. That's what I love helping people see. I love helping spiritually driven entrepreneurs really master themselves who are leaders and increase their sales while improving their their relationships with their, their family as well as their health. So that's wow. a little bit of a backstory there. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, this topic hits home for me. And I think anyone young, any young entrepreneur, any young person listening to this, I think that, that hits home. Um, what was this timeline for you from the, from the, from the places of, you know, the, the depression, the, the suicidal thoughts to this six figure income that you generated for yourself? What, what did this, what did this timeline look like from a like year to year standpoint? Like when did this, when did yeah. you start noticing this? And then where, you know, where did you cross this finish line or graduate into this world of abundance? So I don't ever think that there's, well, I think that's one of the actually the problems is we think that abundance is a, a finish line. Right, right, right. Like a destination, like I made it, <laughs> Woo-hoo! but it's, it's not. And I think that's actually part of the problem is we, we put these destinations of once I attain this, then I'll feel this. And right, right. part of me, like I started with the depression about age 12, went to about 18, uh, left for two years. So 18, 19, uh, 19, 20, I felt great. No depression came back, fell back in the same stuff about 19, 20. Uh, and then about 23, I got married. I think it was so. And it was like, Oh man, oh my, maybe it's 24, maybe 25. <laughs> it was like several years after. And the year that I made, so when I got married, I made $12,500 that year. That was combined income. Our, I lived in Branson, Missouri. I paid rent of like six fifty. So we made it, but it sucked. It wasn't like thriving, you know? And so right in that year, that's when I started to do a lot of techniques, a lot of just figuring out the game of change. Like, how do I change myself? Like, I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a good business leader. I wanted to be all these things. But my past felt so real that I felt so stuck. It was as if every step forward, I took three steps back and I didn't want that. And right. so that year, literally the next year, so January, in uh, Jan- the end of January, I made my first week where I made $6,400 applying a lot of the techniques and skills that I teach today. And so it was like half my annual income in a week. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how did I do this? This is amazing. And I like remember calling my wife in tears. I was like, we have food. Like I was so, um, I had less than a hundred dollars in my bank account at that time and no clientele, no nothing. And I was just, I was destitute and I was desperate, but I knew like deep inside of me, I wasn't destined to fail. Mm. So I just kept at it and I pushed through until I succeeded. And that was the year, literally, so 12,500 one year, the next year, 135 grand. And the next year, we more than doubled that. Wow. And today, so that, so that fast forward, it's been about seven years since the time that I started my business. Okay. And so seven years ago, I was in a place of making less than, you know, 1300 bucks. And Today, we do much more than that. And not just that, but more importantly, like I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, seven-week-old. I've got an incredible wife. I feel very spiritually in tune. I'm not perfect by any means, but I don't stay stuck. And so if something happens, we move through it quickly and go to the next level. Right. So... Got to, I got to go back to, you know, this, this one specific thing that you said, this quote was if, you know, if I kill myself, would anybody care? Um, 
what was the shift for you? Um, would you say that purpose had something to do with it? Would you say like, what are some of the things that helped you get out of that funk that helped you, um, shift your mindset? Um, you know, from, from those deep dark thoughts to, well, I, you know, the best yet to come in life or, you know, what, what was it that helped you shift out of that place? Well, during the moment of it, I think the thing that kept me from doing it was honestly, it was just more of a spiritual upbringing, knowing that there had to be something more than just suffering. And so that kept me going, but it didn't, I didn't apply the spiritual teachings that I knew in a way to actually make the changes. So I had been taught the principles, but I didn't really live them to the fullest. So what got me to shift was learning different perspectives. And I, I literally like listened to Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, like all the greats. And I started to hear their stories of how they suffered and how they got out of it. And Jim Rohn and all the motivational people. And part of me just felt like I'm this kid from Arkansas. And I've got, you know, I graduated from a town of less than like 2000 people in Green Forest, Arkansas. And I'm like, I have really nothing going for me. And I'm pretty much at the bottom. I only have up to go. Like there's only improvement from here. So I always looked at that and I was just like, well, there's all these books and all these people saying that they can do it and other people can do it. That helped me have the perspective to not give up. And then I started to dive into the different techniques and tools, which has really helped on figuring out like why I believe that and the patterns that I was holding on to and the belief systems. And I did a lot of root causal work and diving into the core and getting to the the cause of the cause and the drama of the trauma, which works, but it was exhausting. But that's what got me through. And that's what also getting married, having a vision. Like I didn't have a vision. I thought I was a pretty go lucky guy, happy until I set a bigger goal. And my goal was to get my wife a grand piano. Uh, those things are not cheap. So it's like a house. Right, right. And I was like, holy crap. Uh, for me to do that, I was like, when I got married, I was like, hey, give me, give me like five years and maybe I'll get you that grand piano. And it was cool though, because I had this burning desire. I wanted to succeed so bad. And so I tried so many different things. I tried MLM companies. I tried uh, massage. I tried all sorts of stuff. But inside of me, just I was spiritually led to say, no, you actually need to be a speaker and a coach. I was like, how the heck do I do that? I don't know. So I dropped out of my degree as a doctor of natural medicine to pursue it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then all hell broke loose. I committed Here's a big thing that helped me. I committed to my higher power and I was like, okay, hey, and uh, whatever denomination or belief system people believe in, you can do this to the universe or whatever. But I, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to pack in 40 years of experience in one year. Like I'm not on this planet to just mess around. Give me whatever I need to go through so that I can have 40 years of experience in a year. And then every day became like an up and down battle. It was, I was like, Maybe I shouldn't have did it. Maybe just 10 years. But I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And I just kept moving forward and and had to burn my, like, to decide is to sever off. So I had to decide that I wasn't going to feed into my old stories of my past of I'm depressed, I'm addicted, and the identities that I took on. And I had to sever off that that was an option. 
that the only mm. option for me was to move forward with faith, with passion and commitment to get my goals. Wow. Tyler, this is a, an awesome, compelling story that you gave us. And as a spiritually driven person myself, this is something I connect with seriously. I just want to go back just a little bit to the depression aspect, because I feel like we don't talk about it enough on this yeah. podcast. What are some warning signs that indicate that someone in our life may be going through depression? And how can we go about, you know, um, empathetically talking to them and not, you know, not trying to provoke them, but being there for them? Dude, that's a, man, that's a tough thing. When someone's depressed, they don't want to, so there's these patterns that happen. Number one, when you're in a depressed state, you don't want to be saved. Part of you wants to be saved, but part of you doesn't. So the very thing that we need, which is connection and people, we run from. Mm -hmm. And I look at this as an addiction. So I, I, after all the years of stuff, I've come to the conclusion, the only reason we suffer with something is because some part of our body has actually become addicted to it wow. or allergic to the ideal. So when we're in a depressive state, the only reason that would happen is if my body, which is like organs, glands, cells, has actually become addicted to the pattern or the chemicals that are created in a depressive state. So if I'm depressed, number one, I don't want to really connect to people because that's the solution. So we repel the solution and we always go for the thing that's going to make it more depressing. So in, if I'm talking to someone, you can't really tell a lot of times, you know, I work with a lot of youth and even as a youth, like you can pretend that you're not depressed. You can pretend and put on the face and put on the show. So the real way to see if someone's depressed, in my opinion, is what's called, it's a skill set called following the thread. And what that is, is kind of imagine like a tapestry. So, you know, if you, you see a tapestry, a beautiful picture on the front, right? But on the back, what's on the back of a tapestry? Just you got like all these light. nasty threads. Like it okay, doesn't right, right. even look like a picture, right? So there's all these random miscolored threads, but on the front, it's beautiful. And that's kind of how people are. We have this beautiful front that we put on, these masks that we wear to pretend that's not really real. It's not authentic to who we are, how we really feel because we're afraid to be judged. And yet on the inside, there's all these threads. Now, threads represent in people words. Words. So words make us who we are, our past perceptions and experiences. So if I'm feeling depressed and I am in a state of depression, it's because something in my past has caused pain. Pain is a disconnection. Okay. So if I am feeling disconnected, pain is there. Now the problem is people avoid pain. So what do I do? If someone said something or something did something that disconnected me, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to avoid the source of the pain. So if I was talking to a girlfriend and she broke up and now my heart's hurt and broke, or I'm trying to connect to my, my parents or they did something really mean and now I feel disconnected, or I just don't feel like I belong in school, whatever it might be, there's a pain there. But the problem is, is we avoid the pain. So then whatever is associated with that pain or reminds me of that pain, I'm going to try to avoid, which will be people, love might be in there. Like if love means I'm not heard, I'm hurt, then I'm going to now avoid anything to do with love. 
and I'm going to reject that due to an allergy, and I'm going to hold on to the pain, which is an addiction. And it drives and continues to cause the depression to make it worse and worse and worse until, unfortunately, many times we go through suicide, which is the point that we want to end the pain. Mm -hmm. This is gold. If you're listening to this and you're not taking notes and you've experienced this, any of this, I feel like we all have at some point, definitely try and take action on some of the stuff. And I'm so blessed that I've had the ability for so long in my life just to be open about things. And I think just being able to speak about it and not judging yourself about things like you were saying is such a more, it's such a liberating experience. It's classic four agreements. I think reading the yeah. four agreements is a great start Yeah, um, to all that. I'm sure you've read it as well. Yeah. And I, I want to just go back to one thing, because this is this topic is not talked about at all, and it's uncomfortable for people, and it's probably even uncomfortable to even talk about on this podcast, but it is a problem, and it's a problem with me. It's a problem with everyone, If you're with most young males, especially pornography addiction. You brought it up. Yeah. Talk to us how to overcome that, the stigma around it, and uh, you know what, what can we do to, why is it bad, and what can we do to be better? Yeah, that's a great question. And how I look at everything is comes down to definitions. So even with porn, every single word back to kind of like that following the thread piece, every single word has a definition to it, a meaning behind it, a connotation. So if I, back when I was struggling with depression, I didn't realize this at the time, but when I was depressed due to a pain, so my, my parents get a divorce, I feel like it's all my fault. I don't communicate it. I withdraw. My parents want to go do fun things. I don't want to. So I literally avoid the thing that's going to help solve the pain. So I go through this crazy cycle. Part of me feels lonely because now I'm disconnecting more with people. And that loneliness, I feel at the time it's out of control. I have no control over it. So for me, what do I do? Well, my body wants to be in control. My mind wants to be in control. So I turn to something I feel like I control. Ah, if I do pornography, I now feel guilty. And every time it's like clockwork, I can do porn. I now I feel guilt. I have control. So it actually gives me a sense of control, which masks the feeling of the loneliness. So I avoid the loneliness. I look for control. Video games were also that for me. So I would beat, beat things and I'd win levels and I'd like level up. And it felt like, ah, something I do, I'm in control of. I'm not in control of my loneliness. I'm not in control of the pain. So I do something that masks it. So instead of interpreting it as something bad or wrong, I look at it as saying, okay, well, what are you using? Like what's actually going on underneath that you're avoiding? And if you can find that, then why would I want to turn to something that gives me a fake sense of control that causes me a feeling of guilt or frustration or a temporary sense of pleasure when in reality, if I actually confronted my fear, confronted the avoidances and the pain and connected those, then I would be set free to go live my mission, go do what I'm here to do. Well said. Extremely, extremely like instant sense of pleasure. And that's it. It's over, doesn't last. And it's, it's unfathomable how, um, you know, detrimental sometimes it could be. I feel like the, 
the lack of discipline spills over into other areas in my life. And a, a follow-up question would be, if I can't put my finger on, because I, I do a, a lot of deep self-reflection, so this is yeah. selfishly asking you about this right now, and I feel like a lot of people could get value from this. If I, I do a lot of self-reflection, I, I really am very open about my problems. I really try and attack every single one. If I can't put a finger on why I'm consistently addicted to pornography, what can I do? What kind of actions can I take affirmatively to overcome that addiction? Good question. There's a couple processes I teach. I'm going to share a couple of them right now. One is called redefining definitions. The other one is called alignment. So I, I teach a whole way to take the word, redefine it, which I'll share here in a second, and then go through a simple process of tapping, breathing, and smiling, which actually eliminates the association tied to the words, whether you're aware of them or not. So the the, the problem with root causal work, and I've like... Just to give some perspective, I almost invested over half a million dollars over the past six years on personal development, deep diving, getting to root causal. And a lot of it's just for perspective because I wanted to see what you could go through, what a human being could go through to shift. And at the end of the day, I realized you don't have to go through and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on breakthrough work or getting to the cause. The problem with so much focus on getting to the cause is if you miss it, you're still not going to get the result. So instead of having to get to the cause of what is actually the interpretation, my philosophy is a little different. I just look at it as, okay, some part of your body has become addicted to porn. That's it. I don't care the interpretation. I don't care why. I don't care what was underneath it. So what we do is you take, let's say, the word porn or pornography, and we're going to do a conscious process called redefining the definition. So what this does is you're going to map out on, so if you take a piece of paper or, or something and you put a, a negative on one side and a positive on the other and draw a line down the middle. Now what you're going to do is you can map out all the negative, and this is important, you want to make all the negative feelings, thoughts, and it's not just negative, but not ideal too. Because let's say porn gives you fulfillment, but that's not ideal. Maybe you don't want that. Cool. You'll put that in the section that's not ideal. So what porn represents, the feelings, the thoughts, the emotions, the experiences, what you've seen and what you've heard, map it all out. The key to this is to exhaust the list. So I, And this is like exhausting all the threads. So as we map it out, porn might be, oh, well, it's an escape. It feels great. It's, uh, it makes me feel connected. It makes me feel empowered. I feel alive. So all these things might be associated with porn. So that shows me consciously that what I really want isn't actually porn. It's maybe coming alive, being empowered, doing this, doing all the things that I want. And maybe the not positive things that are connected to it could be like, oh, I feel guilty. I feel like it's wrong. I feel like it's, I'm a horrible person. I feel like I'm going to go to hell. I feel like uh, I'm a sleazy dirtbag. I feel like all this stuff, right? But then on the other side, you're going to map out how ideally you want your body to respond to porn. So then you're going to map it out and say, well, cool. Maybe porn is a choice. Porn is easy to kick. Porn is not an addiction. Porn is simple to combat. Porn is uh, nothing. It's super simple. It's easy to change. So you can map out ideally what you want. And we do this for alcohol. Like I've, I've done this technique, gotten rid of 
uh, people's addictions to alcohol, to smoking, to all sorts of stuff. And literally, this is the first part, is mapping out how your body and mind are interpreting it. So does that make sense so far, though, on like mapping it out? It it, make, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. And I want to zoom out a little bit um, and ask more of a broader question from from my seat. And, and uh, we've all battled with certain things in our lives. I, I find that when it comes to depression or addictions that people have and loved ones and people that care about them, the quick reaction, the knee-jerk reaction is to just throw a bunch of solutions at them, right? And um, yeah. What would you say to that? You know, people that care about us, that love about us, they love to offer solutions. They love to be very solution based, throw a lot of opportunities or throw a lot of ideas at them saying, you need to do X, Y, and Z. You need to do this. You need to do that. Or you could do this. What do you think the best way to handle and work with and help, you know, people in our lives that are dealing with depression, anxiety, uh, our loved ones, our close, you know, friends, what, what do you think the best approach is to help them um, get out of that rut and, and find some more value and purpose in their life? That is the best question ever. I love it because that's actually like the real solution. So the real solution is not to solve anything, which is as a guy can be really tough. If you're married, a lot of times wife, you know, feels stuff and like, okay, I'll help you. I'll solve you. But that is actually not what we need to do. Pain does not want to be solved. It wants to be understood. So what does that mean? I I teach a couple things. One is called following the thread, which is actually what you would do. And following the thread consists of asking, listening, repeating, and relating. Super simple, yet hardest skill on the planet to master. Can you say it one more time? Can you say it one more time for us? I just want to to make sure everyone heard this. This sounds sounds crucial. So this is called follow the thread or following the thread. And it is by far the number one most important skill on the planet, in my opinion, to help get to the real core of helping people change, whether it's get out of depression, get out of an addiction, make more money, whatever it might be. So it's ask, listen, repeat, relate. You're going to do that a couple times in a row. And maybe I can show you an example here in a second to give some reality on this. Sure. But you ask, listen, repeat, relate, ask, listen, repeat, relate. Eventually you'll get them to a state of whether they're looking to solve something or be empowered about something. And then you're going to rate it. And then you're going to commit them to something. It could just be a friendship. It could be to do something, take action. But you never give someone anything to do until they're ready for it and they ask for it. So that's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people say, don't cast your pearls to swine. Many times it's we cast our swine to pearls because we're like, here's your solution. And People are like, don't show me that crap. Like they want to be understood. So maybe I can break this down to give an example. Let's do it. So my mom, back when I was 12, uh, she didn't know this skill and I didn't know this skill. And so after the divorce happened, I remember she was talking to me. I had a lot of emotions inside that I was hiding. Like I felt like it was all my fault. I felt wrong for feeling that way. I felt like I, I had let God down. I felt like I let my, my siblings down. I felt all these things that as a teenager, is just too much emotions to even think about. So what do I do? I turn to something else to numb it. So my mom asks me, how are you doing? Okay, so she asks a question. I reply, I'm fine. My mom doesn't really know how to follow the thread. She wasn't taught. 
So instead of following the thread, she just kind of like, and, and you know, people know when they say something that means something different, but we don't have the skills to understand it. So then it gets kind of awkward and you don't really know what to say. And then you're, you're left thinking, I should have said something different, man, what did I do wrong? So for her, she says, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. She's like, okay, um, great. Well, let me know if there's anything you need to talk about. So no understanding happens. There's no asking questions. So here's how you would follow the thread with that. If she says, I'm, if I say I'm fine, she would, she asked, now she's going to listen. Now she's going to repeat. She says, okay, you're fine. Then you would either relate or go back into asking a question pertaining to that thing. So if I say I'm fine and she's like, oh, you're fine or okay, fine. And when you mean fine, what do you mean by that? Something as simple as that. Right. Or you could say, oh, great. So fine, share a story to open up. So if you know somebody's already like not telling the truth, then you relate. So in that, I would say, hey, I know when I was younger and I felt fine. And you use their exact words, not your words, but their words, because that's their thread. You have to follow their thread. Each word is a thread. So when I follow that tapestry, it'll eventually get to the, the thread on the tapestry. It'll eventually get to the core of what's real. Right. And when you get to the truth, it sets them free. So true. And, and I feel like this could be the, the way you're explaining this is also like in sales as well. It could definitely oh, okay. relate to sales. And now that leads us to, I want to talk a little bit more about business before we wrap this up. And I appreciate you shedding light on that. And that's a tactic that I'm definitely going to take away. I know I need to be a better listener instead of just like jamming, you know, I want someone to do well. So I want to just jam down their throat what they should be doing because I'm doing it. But instead of relating and understanding them a little bit better, because like you said, people just want to be understood. To add to that, to add to that too, before we transition to, to the business mindset sure. and stuff, I think, I think the overarching takeaway on my end is like, have conversations of substance with the people in your life, right? Like, like even if things aren't bad, even if the individual you're talking with isn't doesn't seem upset or anything like that. You know, it's as simple as a conversation with my girlfriend. Sometimes I'll say, Hey, how are you doing? Or how was your day? If she just says good, in my opinion, I'm like, well, what does good mean? You know? And I always try to make sure I, I push on to learn more about her so that we can get in a better routine of having conversations of substance, regardless of, of if, if things are good or if things aren't good right now, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And be sure that relate part is super important. Otherwise it'll feel like an interrogation. Right. So that's why like if somebody's on like like say one of those words like good or fine actually has a lot of pain associated with it, they're not going to want to open up until you do. So by you sharing a story that can show that you've had pain associated to that word, it gives them permission to do the same. And now you can understand them and continue following the thread to finally understand because that's the key like the goal is I really want to know the truth of what someone is feeling or experiencing. I don't know. I don't want just what they perceive. They want me to know. I want to know the truth because that's the juicy stuff. That's what's actually going to get them to move and change and do so much more on the planet. Mm -hmm. And we need so much more conversations like that to actually advance the world. So well said. Uh, so now let's transition. Like I said, we're nearing the wrap up point. I don't want to leave anything out because this has been amazing. Let's transition a little bit to your business, how you earn a living, how you go about it, what your business is, what services you provide, and feel free to throw anything in there. Yeah, man. 
so my my business is this. Like this is my my life. This is my business. I don't uh, separate the two. And so I use these tech. I use these same principles with my wife. She uses them on, on me. I use it with my five year old, my three year old. She's a little harder, but it's fun <laughs> to practice on. Um, and so my whole game is helping high achievers, entrepreneurs who are spiritually driven, who are leading others really nail out what they want, what they don't want, and align in a way that instead of going through all the cycles of the ups and downs, taking years, attaining their goals, they can do it in days or less. So I teach all these techniques, like following the thread, um, redefining definitions, and then we haven't even gotten to any of the alignment part, which is like the essence of true transformation. But what that is, is basically, for example, I learned this technique, I I developed it, and I tried it first on my wife who had gluten allergies. And after doing it, she was no longer allergic to gluten. I was like, holy crap, this is really cool. And so then we did it on lactose and soy and and, uh, peanuts, and we tried it on all sorts of people. And so it started with food allergies. But the principle was that anything that we're resisting or having weird reactions to is because some part of us is allergic or addicted to the opposite. So there's an equal and opposite to all things. So to every allergy, there's an addiction. To every addiction, there's an allergy. And aligning neutralizes both of those responses, the fight flights in our body. So this is, I started doing it on that, and then I started to do it on money. And I thought, well, if it works good on, on like physical foods, does it work on like the idea of making money? So I aligned to having people reach out of the blue to pay in full for a service. And I hadn't had that happen in like eight months. So I aligned and sure enough, within 24 hours, I had four people reach out and turn it $8,000 in sales. And I was like, is this just placebo? Like, cause I'm really believing it or is this something to it? So then I tested it on other people and I just tried it on a guy, uh, Bill, he did it. And he had 10 new clients show up in a week. Whereas that would have normally been three months after aligning to that phrase. And then I had did it on a chiropractor who was stuck at a, a ceiling of making 30K a month and he was trying to get to 60. And I was like, well, the only reason you're stuck is because some part of you is addicted to the 30K and allergic to the 60. So, so it's, it's kind of different to think about. And we're like putting all skills aside, still it's just an, an energy pattern of frequency. So we aligned, he learned how to do the alignment and within... 24 hours, he brought in an extra 10K. Within 20 days, he he doubled his income. And he was like, holy crap, like this is this is amazing. So I did it on that and I thought, okay, if it works on food, works on money, the real test is does it work on physical ailments, like real unsolvable problems? So I had a guy named Craig, he had had a cardiac arrest five years back, and he couldn't function but four hours a day. And if he walked and looked left to right, he'd fall over. He also had to wear sunglasses and earplugs. So he had a lot of things. His wife was a master practitioner, healer, tried all the different techniques and modalities. Nothing was working. He did all of the medical stuff. Nothing was working. And I thought, well, theoretically, the only reason you're stuck with this symptom is because part of you is addicted to it and allergic to what you want. So this was going to be the big test. So we did it on him. He learned the technique. And... He called me back a week later in tears and he's like, Tyler, you're not going to believe this. I'm functioning over eight hours a day. 
I don't wear glasses or earplugs anymore. I can look left and right while I'm walking and I don't fall over. And he literally was just crying. He's like, I have my life back. And that's when I knew I need to teach this to people. People need to learn this. There are faster ways to change. You don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of hours meditating, doing positive affirmations, visualizing, or walking on fire, breaking boards, and getting to root causes. All you do is need to align. So that's what I teach. I teach people. I have a 10-day challenge. People can get some basics in. I've got a great Facebook group. We sell courses on how to do the full process. We get people certified. I do one-on-one intensives. So we do the works. I love it. I love it. What does the future hold for Tyler Watson? The next, what do the next 10 years look like for you? Your vision? Oh, dude. Yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff. Well, <laughs> I'm writing my next book. So I'm actually going to get a book out on the alignment within the next uh, 30 to 60 days. So I'm going to finish that book. Okay. And, you, and, and you're the author, you're the author of The Enrollment Effect, correct? Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. We haven't even the dove enroll- into that, man. We got to have another podcast with you on here talking about <laughs> enrollments, all the skills on enrollment. It talks about follow the thread. It's right. like okay. packaging, messaging. Uh, it's a little bit of breakthrough stuff, but I didn't, I didn't develop this technique yet. So that came got later. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So anyway, books coming out. Uh, eventually my wife and I want to create the world's most effective leadership camp for youth. And that is going to be amazing. So we're already in the works. We're working with some amazing people um, through some doTERRA stuff and doing all sorts of stuff. So it's like, we're, we're just trying to reach out and really get to the masses so that we can bring consciousness and awareness that change doesn't have to take years. Right. It can yeah. happen in hours. Well, and to, and to say this too, and if you disagree, cut me off. I just think building quality foundations is just so important. And the earlier we can teach our youth to build this foundation in a solid way and, and, and communicate in a healthier way and um, respond to adversity in healthier ways. I just feel like we're setting them up for so much more success. Right. Yeah. And I, I wish I would have had all that. Right. Like looking yeah. back, I'm really grateful for the journey because I wouldn't have learned all this, you know? Um, but I also look at some of my siblings who haven't been as conscious and it's literally, you know, hospital bills of driving off cliffs drunk and, hundreds of thousands of dollars and all sorts of crazy mm-hmm. messed up stuff because it's, they haven't really confronted it yet and haven't learned these skills or desired to fully embrace them. Mm. So ah, like we need as parents to be proactive, even if you're not a parent to know that we set examples, we are the light that shines for others and how we live our life. We need to be real. We need to talk about our problems with our kids. We need to show them that they don't have to be stuck because we're not. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's a huge thing. I feel like a huge thing when I was younger, especially, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, and our, it's not our parents' fault. They were just doing the best with what they had. But we were living a lie for so long. We were just, you know, sugarcoated this world, and we had this perception of the world of what it and, – and we had to grow up to realize what it was. Think about the advantage – that you would have if you were just told the truth. There's those pivotal moments when kids ask parents these certain questions and how those parents respond to those questions bring up this entire belief system for the kid in that moment. And so uh, I believe parents need to be a little bit more conscious of that. Huge. Yeah. Well said. How can our guests follow your journey? How, you know, what are some handles they can follow some yeah. websites? We're going to drop everything in the description. If, if they're driving in the car and they can't pull the phone out though, what are some yeah. good ways they can follow your journey and, 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 and 
and get active with everything in your world? So best place is actually my Facebook group. I have a really great group you can go through. Uh, it used to be called units. Now I think it's called just groups or something. I forget. Um, but there's a great free stuff teaches you from A to Z. I have webinars on this and you can join the Facebook group. It's Tyler F B F B for Facebook. You can literally just put in tylerfb.com and it'll take you right to the Facebook group. The Facebook group's called Abundance Alignment Technique. And that's a great place to connect. Like out of all the places, that's probably the best. I do have a YouTube channel I just launched. It's I think it's just Tyler Watson. And I post twice a month there. That's getting bigger. And I do a lot of little techniques, a lot of comparisons to techniques, why things work breaking down the systems and strategies of old techniques and how they're outdated and how to change them and how to make them more useful. So yeah, a Facebook group and then uh, on YouTube, those are great places. Awesome. Awesome. So typically at this point in the podcast, as we finish up the last 30 seconds here, we cue some music when this podcast gets edited, there'll be some music going on in the background. And I usually ask someone, you know, something along the lines of, Hey, like, what would you like to leave our guests with in 30 seconds? You know, I, I used to say 30 second commercial, but it sounds kind of cheesy and weird, but what would you like to leave our guests with, uh, you know, to finish out this podcast? So the one thing I want you to leave with is know that no matter what you face in life, whether it's a struggle or something that you're trying to attain, realize there is a solution and it can be as fast as learning, aligning, getting rid of the allergies and addictions. Don't ever let yourself stop. Always realize there is always a solution. Boom. Quit coming up with excuses, fellas. Just make, take action. Follow Tyler and his journey. I'm sure he's more than happy to you know, be responsive on social media to help you out. And we're here to help as well. Tyler, thanks so much for coming on and giving us an insight to your life. Yeah, thank you guys. This was awesome. Have a great day. to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guests coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe.